It's time now for Setting the Record Straight on KOHI with Melinda Bernard. You can call the show now at 503-397-1600 or toll-free at 877-397-1632. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KOHI, staff, management, or sponsors. Now, here's Melinda. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Setting the Record Straight. Happy Friday. It is a gorgeous day outside, beautiful winter day. And we are going to talk about a subject that is near and dear to my heart. And that is a, a movement to allow the average consumer or the average repair person to actually repair devices. We're going to be talking about a legislation called Right to Repair. And joining me this morning is Sam Pastrick. Sam is with the Citizens Utility Board. And Charlie Fisher. Charlie is with Osberg. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you so much, both of you. Thanks for, Thanks having, for having me. So who would like to start with just a little bit of background on why it's so, why, why can't we just, you know, why are our batteries sometimes glued into the back of our phones? And, and, and why can't the average person just open up their devices, for instance, I know it's, this legislation is more is targeted to more things than just devices, but why can't we just fix things? Yeah, I, I can go ahead and take that. Thanks, um, Charlie. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a good question and it's a frustrating question for I'm sure most of the folks listening who have had some experience with something that they just can't fix. And frankly, it's because um, manufacturers uh, have an incentive to get you to buy new every couple of years. Um, and in order to get you to do that, they have an incentive to make it difficult to fix your stuff. Um, so, you know, increasingly, uh, really when we talk about right to repair, the, the three main categories of things that are really important are parts, availability of parts, um, the tools you needed, both um, physical tools and software tools, and then the schematics and repair manuals needed to, you know, actually know how to connect A to B. Um, and so that's really what it's about. And unfortunately, you know, companies just won't make available parts oftentimes or uh, uh, the schematics you can't uh, have access to um, and or they make proprietary uh, screws or put software locks on their devices. So unless you have their special software key that they won't give you, you can't make your part, your, you can't make your device work after you replace it. So that's really kind of the, 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 the core uh, issue when it comes to right to repair. Thank you, Charlie. Sam, how did we get here? <laughs> how did we, how did we get here? Yeah, um, how did we get I mean, I think where, where where you're not allowed to fix something. Sure. Uh, well, it's a good question, and I, I think in a nutshell, at a really high level, uh, we we've we've arrived at this place because manufacturers, particularly the large manufacturers, and I, I don't necessarily need to name names, but the, the big multinational companies that, that make most of our uh, kind of household electronics and digital devices that we use to connect to the internet and, and connect with the outside world, um, they have something of an incentive to uh, control uh, the entire world of uh, the entire scope of, of that manufacturing. So from end to end, they want to control what uh, a consumer can do once they purchase the product and how the consumer might want to repair the product if in fact something goes wrong. And I think a part of that 
uh, is this idea of sort of planned obsolescence. So uh, baked into the manufacturing process, at least to some extent, and the, the restrictions around repair uh, is this idea that you'll only keep the device for a year, maybe two years, because they'll come out with the newest version and there's a whole lot of marketing ploys to convince folks that the newest version is in fact the version that you need for X, Y, and Z reason. Uh, so instead of jumping through you know, the hoops and ladders to get your device repaired, you might just opt to purchase the new one. And then it's a matter of where does that device go? And more often than not, it gets thrown in the garbage. And uh, that presents a whole host of issues, not just on the consumer end in terms of additional incurred cost for purchasing a new device, but there are uh, you know, detriments to the environment. So I guess to circle back to your original question, how did we get here? Uh, I think it's, it's a matter of that there are, are large you know, multinational manufacturers that, that really sort of control all of the rules and dictate the rules and make it pretty difficult for both consumers or you know small third-party repair shops to to enter the marketplace. Thank you. That that was a great explanation. Charlie, can you uh, tell us how did Osberg get involved in the right to repair movement? Yeah, sure. Um, so Osberg and uh, we're at Oregon State Public Interest Research Group. We're a statewide citizen-based um, organization with thousands of members around the state. And I mean, really, you know, we look at this from a couple perspectives. Um, the first is is kind of the environmental waste reduction angle. Um, we estimate that Oregonians dispose of 4,800 phones every single day. I'll say that again, 4,800 phones every single day, we, we estimate- Just Oregonians. Exactly, yep. Every um, day, 4,800 phones. Yeah, it's hard to believe, isn't it? Um, it's based on EPA uh, data from actually 2009. So likely that number is higher than it was back then. Um, so, you know, when, when we're talking about uh, the devices, so I guess, again, waste reduction, um, we don't want phones ending up in uh, landfills or there's actually examples of um, phones ending up in recycling facilities and starting fires when they get crushed in the, the lithium ion battery, uh, which, you know, it has been, uh, I'm sure people have heard about, you know, setting fires on airplanes or elsewhere. Um, unsurprisingly, when you smash a phone with one of those batteries in it, it can ignite. So that's one. Um, you know, the, the energy and, and materials associated with um, manufacturing a new product are pretty immense. 85% uh, of the energy associated with the phone, it comes from its manufacturer. And so if we can extend the life of what we have instead of buying new, then, you know, we're making a pretty big impact on uh, raw materials and on uh, climate emissions. And then finally, it's a consumer issue. You know, again, a thousand dollar phone shouldn't be disposable. You should, when you buy something, you should own it. It shouldn't be essentially a rental until you get the next one. Um, and so giving folks the right to repair is really a way of taking back that real ownership of what we have and, um, you know, allowing people to, I mean, not everyone can afford a thousand dollar phone ever, let alone every couple of years. Um, and so, you know, just allowing people to kind of have access to those used or uh, being able to repair what they have is a really important issue from that perspective as well. Thank you, Charlie. Sam, what about the uh, Citizens Utility Board? Can you give us a little bit of background on what the board does and how the board got in CUB uh, became involved in this issue? Sure. So uh, CUB, Citizens Utility Board, we're an independent nonprofit 
Um, what makes us a bit unique is that we were actually uh, formed through the, the ballot initiative process back in the 80s, 1984. So Oregon voters created CUB and really the, the idea behind uh, uh, our founding was to have an advocate uh, at the state level representing utility customers of uh, the regulated utilities, both energy and uh, telecommunications. So we've been doing this work advocating for, for residential customers for you know now going on 35 plus years. A lot of our work plays out before the Oregon Public Utility Commission. Um, we do a lot of work in the legislature. All that's to say that uh, at a really high level, um, we're a consumer advocate. We're a consumer advocacy organization. And as Charlie just, I think, framed pretty well, this is a cut and dry uh, pro-consumer issue. So just sort of at a really high level, we support right to repair because it's good for consumers. Um, digging a bit deeper than that, however, we view, Cub views uh, the internet, internet access service as being an essential utility for customers. Uh, it's not regulated as such, but that's how we view it as a utility customer advocate. And so to the extent that Cub is advocating for public policies to ensure widespread, affordable, reliable internet access service, we at the same time need to acknowledge that just having access to the internet, the service itself isn't quite good enough. What you also need to have as a consumer is a digitally enabled device to actually connect to the internet. So we're talking about computers, tablets, uh, phones, other wireless devices, e-readers, all of those devices that, that we have. Um, and a lot of folks don't have them because they can't afford them. I mean, again, Charlie had mentioned the pretty significant price point, particularly for cell phones. So uh, that's really why Cub is interested in this issue. Um, we're, we're just a, we're a nonprofit consumer advocate organization. We're also membership based like Osberg. Um, and it's, it's just, it's one of our top line issues, uh, particularly this legislative session. Hope that answered your question. Okay. No, no, no. Thank you. That, that's, that's perfect. That, that's great. We are going to take a break. We come back. We're going to talk about the legislation, who's sponsoring it, what it would do, who supports it and who opposes it. So there's more to come. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This is setting the record straight. Columbia River Carpet One in Rainier, Oregon is open for business and we've taken the precautions of making everything safe. So if you want to come in to buy floor covering, now's the time at Columbia River Carpet One. We've got special prices on waterproof luxury tile. We stock it and we have it on the special price right now from $1.99 a square foot. What a great buy. Carpeting, we've got several specials right now on carpeting where you can get the carpet installed with pad at one low price. So if you want to buy carpeting or you want to buy waterproof floors, you want to come to Columbia River Carpet one in Rainier, Oregon. Forget the internet and support your local Scampoos Pet Store. Same day or next business day, home delivery for in-stock products. Free for orders over $50 and just $4 for orders under $50 for deliveries within 20 miles of All About Pets and Scampoos. We also accommodate curbside delivery. As an essential business, we are open and here for you and your pets. 
Have a special order request? Give us a call. If you do come into the store, please observe social distancing requirements. Follow us on Facebook for any changes in hours at All About Pets and Scampoos. Call 503-543-5740 to place your order today. Bill Eagle, I heard that Columbia County Rider has reduced their rates. Yes, it's only $2 any place inside county. What? $2 in county? Only $2. What about outside the county? Okay, it's $3. Okay, Bill, so that's $2 in county, $3 outside the county, and... If you're a veteran, if you're a student, if you're a senior citizen, it's $1 in county and $2 outside of county. And that's CC Rider. Why don't you just meet me in the middle? I'm losing my mind just a little. It's setting the record straight on KOHI with Melinda Bernard. Call the show now at 503-397-1600. And we're back. We're talking about right to repair. And, and joining us this morning is the Citizens Utility Board Advocacy Manager, Sam Pastrick, and Charlie Fisher with Osberg. And once again, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Let's talk about what does the right to repair legislation that is just it's being sponsored this session in Oregon, what does it cover? Which devices, which, um, how broad is it? Who wants to start? Charlie? Sure, yeah. Um, so that's a great question. So the bill introduced this session uh, covers uh, what's called consumer electronic equipment. Um, and so we envision that that's everything from a phone to a computer to large and small appliances around the house. Um, the key uh, ingredient though, is it needs to have some sort of digital component. So mo- basically anything with a computer chip. Uh, and you know, so it, it, it so essentially, you know, we're looking at household consumer goods. Um, I'll say it excludes a couple specific things, um, farm equipment, medical devices, uh, auto, um, automobiles, and uh, HVAC systems. Um, and the reason for that is, you know, we, we, philosophically, we think right to repair should cover everything with a digital device. Um, but we figured, you know, during a pandemic, and um, uh, just given you know how this could directly help families, uh, it made sense to narrow the, the definition a little bit and be really about those things that people experience every day and um, that you know they can actually see a benefit from, whether it's you know, saving some money by extend- getting a computer working again or not having to buy a new uh, appliance. Uh, that's really what we're focusing on. Okay, thank you. Um, Sam, the legislation is House Bill 2698. Who, who's sponsoring this bill? So uh, Representative Janine Salmon, uh, she's based out of Hillsborough. I can't recall her district number off the top of my head, but I should probably have it in front of me. Um, she is the, the chief sponsor, and she's been a, a really fantastic and, and consistent advocate, uh, not just for this issue, right to repair, but uh, for consumer issues generally, and then also uh, particularly when it comes to, to waste and recycling issues. So that uh, has a lot to do with, with her interest, though. I think 
again, it just being a, a, a very uh, generalized and, and, and pro-consumer issue, that's sort of what drew her to the topic. So she's the chief sponsor, though there is a sponsorship on both the, the House side and the Senate side and bipartisan sponsorship. So, so bipartisan, uh, bicameral. Right, yeah. And um, and unfortunately, I reached out to Representative Hellman, but she has committee right now, so she isn't able to join us. But can you give us a little bit uh, more about when this would take place and, and how this might affect repair shops and the average consumer? Sure, I'm, I'm happy to start. And Charlie, chime in, please, if, if, I, if I miss anything here. Um, well, in terms of, of when the, the policy would be enacted, um, it were it to pass this legislative session, uh, the policy itself would begin uh, fairly shortly thereafter. Um, and at a, at a really high level, um, it would impact consumers immediately because as a consumer, you would uh, then have access to uh, the same uh, diagnostic manuals, tools, parts, etc. cetera, uh, those components that Charlie had mentioned earlier, um, as does the manufacturer-affiliated repair shop. And the same would go for uh, your local repair shop. So your local repair shop just down the street, or uh, there are larger uh, sort of public interest focused uh, repair and recycling shops. There's, there's one in Portland called Free Geek. There are a handful of others across the state that take in devices from, from folks, they recycle them, they repair them, and they get them back out into the community. So uh, really, were this legislation to pass this session, you'd see uh, hopefully almost an immediate impact in the community, both at the consumer level and for uh, third-party or independent repair shops. Yeah, and then if I could just add on the independent repair shop piece, um, and again, the bill number is House Bill 2698. Um, so, you know, we've actually been doing a bunch of organizing of these small independent repair businesses. And I mean, they're about, you know, the, the best example I can think of, of us, just a one or two people starting a business um, about something that they are knowledgeable about and they care about. And, you know, when you talk to these folks, I'll say we have over 50 uh, shops from around the state who signed a letter to the legislature in support of right to repair. When you talk to these shops, they tell you the kinds of uh, headaches and hurdles they have to overcome in order to be able to do pretty simple fixes. Um, so, you know, oftentimes they don't have the, the schematics for say the, like the motherboard and a phone and even if it's a really simple fix that they would be able to do in a, a minute and it would cost just a couple dollars uh, to, even if they, there is something like that, they don't have the information that they need in order to be able to uh, know how to connect two pieces to each other to make it work. They also, you know, get, um, they, 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 they get a lot of customers who come from say the Apple store who have been told, oh, there's nothing we can do. We can't fix this. And then, Oftentimes they can't um, because they reverse engineer a manual or they find information online that, uh, you know, somebody has figured out. And I think what that speaks to is, I mean, first of all, I think just the resourcefulness of, of small business owners. But second, how inefficient that system is that you have to clumsily uh, poke around in the dark uh, in order to, to, to figure something out that already exists and could just be made available to you by the manufacturer, but they refuse to do so because, again, they have an incentive to, to keep that information private. 
Um, so I think that's a really uh, one of the things that that drives me in this issue is is just talking to those folks who deal with this with this every day and would just be able to better serve their community if they had the right to repair. Right. Well, thank you. It, it's difficult out here in a community in a rural community. We have local repair folks, but if they're not allowed to work on your device, or like you said, they don't have the software or the manual, then you're forced to go into either Portland or across, maybe across the river into Longview, and there's not, no guarantees that, I don't, as far as I know, there's no Apple store in Longview, so it's really Portland, um, if, or maybe Hillsboro, if you want your device to be repaired, or if it can be repaired. So I, that's interesting, and, and so I'm, I'm guessing you do have full support of local repair folks. In, Absolutely. In yeah. Right. Uh-huh. So would this also allow the um, the tinkerer, the person who thinks, you know, the the, the inventor, the, the budding inventor, the somebody who wants to open up their device and get into it, would this also allow the average person to take care of that? Or are these things only going to be the software, the manuals, et cetera, only going to be available to the repair folks? You, the this bill would impact your sort of everyday consumer. And I think observing this uh, through kind of the current lens that we're all experiencing life in right now, the, in the midst of a pandemic where uh, a lot of us are, you know, still at home, uh, learning from home, working from home, uh, frankly, trying to keep ourselves busy on the weekends is insofar that it's not uh, always safe to be out there in the community and, and congregating um, I think it's it's important to think about uh, the legislation and the policy from that perspective too. So, to the extent that uh, someone doesn't feel quite safe to to be out in the world, and uh, you know, bringing their device to uh, what now you know is an Apple Store, or some other manufacturer affiliated repair shop, uh, this legislation would allow them to potentially repair their own device on their own time within the comfort of their own home and. Uh, I think that's, frankly, an important social equity issue. And you talked earlier about uh, needing to travel, you know, potentially a far distance to repair a device. Another good example of this being a social equity issue where not everyone has the same access to transportation options. Uh, Maybe you don't own a car. Maybe you don't yet feel comfortable traveling on public transportation. Again, in light of the, the ongoing pandemic. So these are all you know, issues that uh, as advocates we're thinking about uh, when advocating for this particular policy during this particular legislative session. This is all to say that I think uh, the COVID-19 pandemic sort of shines a, a brighter light on the need for a policy like this. And I'll just add to, to, again, directly answer your question. Yes, consumers would benefit from this, would have access to the same information, tools, uh, uh, manuals, uh, as, as the independent repair and manufacturers. And I'll just say we had a town hall yesterday um, with, uh, about right to repair. And, you know, we asked folks to just share some of their repair stories. And I think one in particular really stood out to me, which was from a uh, former um, uh, teacher of... Uh, you know, STEM and uh, robotics. And he pointed out that, you know, this is also something that is creating barriers for young people uh, learning how to kind of tinker and uh, go into those STEM fields. Um, And so he saw, uh, you know, right to repair as a really benefit for that as well. Um, Because yeah, we do need people 
not everyone is suited to it. I, I'd say I kind of am, but not a lot. Um, but those people who really have a, 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 a aptitude for it and are excited by it should be able to, to figure these things out and, and fix their stuff if they want to. That's a great point because when computers first were developed, or personal computers, um, a lot of folks would open them up, look at the motherboard, see how they were put together, were able to get parts, could do their own repair, and then somewhere along the lines, you know, that stopped. Um, and, and as you said, some robotics, those use chips. Um, there's a lot, of, a lot of devices that we don't even think about today that we have a computer chip in, that this might be, you know, um, a helpful tool for folks. So let's talk briefly about the last time this legislation came before, <clears throat> well, the Oregon legislature. Um, what It was a kind of a different uh, bill. Can you talk about the difference between that attempt and this attempt? Uh, sure, happy to, to Oh yeah, go for it, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, at a high level, we were still uh, targeting the same general concept to make available to both the consumer and third party non-manufacturer affiliated repair shops with uh, the diagnostic tools, the, the, tool, the, the, the physical tools, the parts, et cetera, to, to make repairs. Um, however, the legislation initially proposed in 2019, um, it was much broader in scope in that it would have included uh, a lot of those areas that, that Charlie mentioned are now excluded from the current bill. So it would have potentially included uh, heavy farm equipment, uh, 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 complicated medical devices, um, HVAC, um, sort of everything under the sun, as it were. Um, that, uh, you know, I think as, as Charlie said, there's, there's certainly a broad community out there that would support right to repair for all of these other areas, but uh, we determined, uh, the advocate community determined that uh, both uh, politically it would be potentially an easier hurdle to pass legislation emphasizing uh, consumer electronic equipment, but also practically from a, from a public policy perspective, again, sort of in light of the pandemic, in light of folks working from home, schooling from home, that really emphasizing uh, consumer electronics, household electronics, um, would, would, would make a better sense, again, from a policy perspective and also sort of mitigate a lot of uh, potential opposition to the legislation. Okay, thank you. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the potential opposition that this legislation may face. This is Setting the Record Straight. We'll be right back. Beer River Carpet One in Rainier, Oregon is open for business and we've taken the precautions of making everything safe. So if you want to come in to buy floor covering, now's the time at Columbia River Carpet One. We've got special prices on waterproof luxury tile. We stock it and we have it on a special price right now from $1.99 a square foot. What a great buy. Carpeting, we've got several specials right now on carpeting where you can get the carpet installed with pad at one low price. So if you want to buy carpeting or you want to buy waterproof floors, you want to come to Columbia River Carpet One in Rainier, Oregon. Spring Waters Farms is back every Wednesday with wild mushrooms and more for sale. Just in time for your holiday meal planning. So visit Roger every Wednesday from 12 noon until 5 p.m. 
just in front of Artifacts at the Riverfront in St. Helens. You'll enjoy the wide selection from world-famous Spring Waters Farms every Wednesday from noon to 5. And Roger has also now added a great selection of Christmas wreaths in front of Artifacts on the Riverfront in St. Helens. And remember to shop Old Town St. Helens and the many merchants while you're there. For more info, 503-396-9766. And remember, wild mushrooms and more including a great selection of christmas wreaths in front of artifacts on the riverfront in st helens need more mushrooms than every sunday roger will also be set up at the yankton grange sunday afternoons also check out the supersized burger at the yankton store mushrooms and more every sunday at the yankton grange with roger conca Here's a question for you. Do you want to make sure you and your family are breathing clean and pure air in your home? Then call Western Heating and Cooling today. Ask about installing the Air Scrubber Advanced System. It's the same one used on the International Space Station, and you'll be impressed with how it cleans and purifies your air for an affordable price. It uses only 18 watts of power, but gets rid of those irritating particles, lingering odors, and contaminants. Air Scrubber Advanced System is available for you today at Western Heating and Cooling. Call for more information or a demonstration, 503-543-5599. You'll love the affordable price and the clean air. 503-543-5599. Why don't you just meet me in the middle? I'm losing my mind just a little. It's setting the record straight on KOHI with Melinda Bernard. Call the show now at 503-397-1600. And we're back. You're listening to Setting the Record Straight. We are talking about right to repair, a legislation piece of legislation that is coming before the Oregon legislature this session that would allow consumers and repair shops to repair consumer electronics that have, until this point, not been available for repair. You had to go straight to a manufacturer or dump your device. So joining me this morning again is... Sam Pastrick. Sam is with the Citizens Utility Board, also known as CUB, and Charlie Fisher. Charlie is with the Oregon Special Interest Research Group, also known as Osberg. And gentlemen, thank you again for joining me. Um, Before break, we were talking about some of the hurdles that this bill might face. But before we go to that, I want to ask, is this the first kind of legislation in the country to be proposed? Is Oregon on the cutting edge of this? So I'll say it's not the first to be proposed. Um, there are likely 25 states that will be introducing similar bills in their legislatures this year if they haven't already. Um, if it passed in Oregon, it would be the first to pass, which is pretty exciting. I will yep. say that there is precedent for right to repair. Um, Massachusetts passed a ballot measure in 2013 for uh, cars um, beyond model year 2018. And in fact, updated that law this in 2020 at the ballot again, both with overwhelming support. Um, and so that's for automobiles, uh, which is why it's actually exempted from our bill. But um, 
And so there is there some precedent from that perspective, but you're correct. This, if this passed, it would be first of its kind in the United States, which is pretty exciting. Great. Well, thank you. Sam, can you talk about some of the opposition that you believe that this bill might face? Sure. Um, that's a good question. I, I think it's fair to say that, frankly, uh, the manufacturers of uh, at least uh, some of the consumer electronic equipment that would be you know, subject to this, this law, they will come out in, in fairly steep opposition. Um, and again, you know, that just goes back to one of your earlier questions, your initial questions around sort of how did we get here? And, uh, you know, again, at a high level, in a nutshell, um, the large multinational manufacturers of, uh, you know, the smartphones that we all carry around, or at least a lot of us carry around, uh, tablets, computers, they have every incentive to keep uh, the scope of, of manufacturing and repair that entire life cycle within uh, their, you know, company apparatus. So they do not want to see this bill passed uh, here in Oregon or, or for that matter, anywhere else. And so uh, they will they will come out in droves to oppose. At least that's our, our assumption. Um, I think <laughs> it presents a, a, an interesting, um, it's difficult, I would say, for uh, customer advocate groups like Cub and Osberg and repair shops. We have to go against these, these multinational companies that you know, have teams of lawyers and, and lobbyists, uh, many of whom are not Oregon-based. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a difficult task and it's a tough hill to climb, but I think we're up to the task and, and prepared for it because uh, sort of the truth is on our side. Well, thank you. I, I do have a, a caller has uh, called in um, and uh, Brady Preheim, Brady actually has the show before mine. He has owned um, a computer repair place for 24 years and said that he's, as the only computer cell phone repair store in the county, computer repair is not the issue for him. He said the issue is Apple and that their software that makes the Touch ID, um, that, that screens can be replaced, but the software to activate the Touch ID is not available. Yep. And I'll, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll share to you just anecdotes about that. Um, first, and I'm sure Brady has experienced this, um, we hear this from our, our friends at iFixit, which is a website that, uh, that kind of creates fix-it guides and puts them on the website. I think it's just ifixit.com. Um, so they say that if you, on the newest iPhone, if you take out the camera and try to install that camera into an identical uh, new iPhone, um, it won't work. And that's because Apple has special software that is required to pair the camera to the device that they won't make available to the general public. And so even if you, so again, if you, identical part, identical phone won't work because Apple doesn't want it to. And that makes me think of, uh, I, I think folks uh, may remember a couple years ago, Apple uh, got some bad press when um, it came out that they had been slowing down older phones um, right around the time that their new iPhone was coming out. I uh, remember yeah, I think this was 28 or 20, uh, sorry, 2018 or 2017. So when that, they said, you know, we're doing that um, because we want to make the battery last longer. But, you know, I think a lot of people had legitimate questions about their reasoning. And as a result, they agreed to give out cheap battery replacements to all their old phones. 
Well, there are two problems with that. Number one, they're only available at the Apple store. And so people often had, you know, months, several months long wait to get a new battery for their phone, um, which is outrageous. And two, uh, it affected their uh, sales. In fact, their CEO on a board call that following summer talked about how the fact that they had helped people extend the life of their current phones made impact on their bottom line. So I think that speaks to why these manufacturers are against it. They'll talk you know, your ear off about the, the reasons that they say are why um, legislators should oppose it. But at the, the end of the day, it's because they know that people being able to hold on to what they own is going to mean less sales for them. And they'll do anything they can to prevent that. Sure. And I also, Brady added in, um, he sent me another message. Samsung also has the new curved displays that are not prevented from repair, but it's just the design makes it very, very difficult to repair. <laughs> so sometimes it's not possible. Um, but thank, thank you for Brady. So, so Sam, yeah. So any other than the obvious, the manufacturers who are doing everything they can to keep this from happening? Any any other sort of opposition that you might not have seen coming? It's a good question. Um, <laughs> well, I think anyone who uh, you know works on on public policy, particularly in the legislative session, in the legislative setting, uh, could confirm that you know when you're working on a bill and you're trying to to make that happen, and you're working with legislators. Um, there are special interest groups that seem to, uh, you know, come out of the woodwork that you might not have anticipated. So I think that's at least my expectation. That's Cub's expectation. Uh, just you know, having sort of been around the block uh, quite a, quite a while on on these legislative issues. Um, but again, at the end of the day, our view of this issue, uh, right to repair, is that it's just good consumer policy. And I think as advocates working with uh, Rep Solomon and the repair shops, we've landed on policy that is scoped correctly and, and sort of meets the moment and, uh, you know, really should not, at least in theory, uh, engender uh, opposition from anyone other than the manufacturers, again, who just because of their business models, frankly, are incentivized to oppose. So you know, cautiously optimistic, I guess, would be my, my short answer to your question. Charlie, did you have any anything to add to that? I don't think so. No, I, I yeah, frankly, it does. It just seems like the only people who oppose it are the powerful companies that will be affected. <laughs> and that in itself is, an, is quite a barrier. But beyond that, I, I, yeah, actually, it's surprisingly, I, there haven't been too many other groups that you wouldn't have expected to come out and oppose it. Well, maybe with 25 other states proposing this similar legislation, uh, they might be very busy trying to um, oppose it in, 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 in you know, yeah. half the country. Uh, how much of, of our rapacious consumer lifestyle really feeds into this? I've got to have the new one. Or this next one, this new computer, you know, makes, makes your coffee. And this, this, this cell phone, you know, can track somebody across the world. I mean... Do you feel like that there's this rush to, to add all of these uh, value-added things onto it so people will continue to buy, buy, buy? Uh, Who wants to take this? I, I think that's part, uh, certainly part of it. Um, but I, I would say um, 
people are always going to want the next best thing. Um, and part of our goal with this is, is uh, to pass the policy and make it easier to repair your stuff. And I think um, that is good in itself, but really it's also about having that conversation about consumption and about the fact that if we want to keep up the current pace of consumption that we seem to be striving for, it's just unsustainable. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think you're right. And I think, you know, we just try to have these conversations and show people that, you know, repairs is okay and it's, it's easy if you have the information um, to hopefully make people rethink a little bit that um, consumptive model that, that again, isn't really sustainable for a variety of reasons. And this is Sam. I Just to, to add on that, I think it's important to highlight that uh, the goal behind this policy is in no way to sort of upset the capitalism apple cart by any means. I, th I think, you know, Charlie makes a lot of good points there and, and, and we, we need to think about sort of how we, how we contemplate uh, the products that we want or we think that we need and what happens to them after we dispose of them. Um, at the same time, just fundamentally what, what this bill is trying to do, what this policy is trying to do is empower consumers, provide uh, consumers with just the same tools and diagnostic manuals that the manufacturers have themselves. And the same again goes for third party repair shops. So if anything, uh, you know, I think in Cubs view, we're, we're, we're fitting into, you know, a market schema, just uh, providing the same stuff that the manufacturers have. Great. Alrighty. Well, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the takeaways from last night's town hall and how you can help um, pass this right to repair bill. We'll be right back. This is setting the record straight. Columbia River Carpet One in Rainier, Oregon is open for business and we've taken the precautions of making everything safe. So if you want to come in to buy floor covering, now's the time at Columbia River Carpet One. We've got special prices on waterproof luxury tile. We stock it and we have it on the special price right now from $1.99 a square foot. What a great buy. Carpeting, we've got several specials right now on carpeting where you can get the carpet installed with pad at one low price. So if you want to buy carpeting or you want to buy waterproof floors, you want to come to Columbia River Carpet one in Rainier, Oregon. Spring Waters Farms is back every Wednesday with wild mushrooms and more for sale. Just in time for your holiday meal planning. So visit Roger every Wednesday from 12 noon until 5 p.m. Just in front of Artifacts at the Riverfront in St. Helens. You'll enjoy the wide selection from world-famous Spring Waters Farms every Wednesday from noon to 5. And Roger has also now added a great selection of Christmas wreaths in front of Artifacts on the Riverfront in St. Helens. And remember to shop Old Town St. Helens and the many merchants while you're there. For more info, 503-396-9766. And remember, wild mushrooms and more, including a great selection of Christmas wreaths in front of artifacts on the riverfront in St. Helens. Need more mushrooms? Then every Sunday, Roger will also be set up at the Yankton Grange Sunday afternoons. Also check out the supersized burger at the Yankton store. Mushrooms and more every Sunday at the Yankton Grange with Roger Conka. 
Here's a question for you. Do you want to make sure you and your family are breathing clean and pure air in your home? Then call Western Heating and Cooling today. Ask about installing the Air Scrubber Advanced System. It's the same one used on the International Space Station, and you'll be impressed with how it cleans and purifies your air for an affordable price. It uses only 18 watts of power, but gets rid of those irritating particles, lingering odors, and contaminants. Air Scrubber Advanced System is available for you today at Western Heating and Cooling. Call for more information or a demonstration. 503-543-5599. You'll love the affordable price and the clean air. 503-543-5599. Why don't you just meet me in the middle? I'm losing my mind just a little. It's setting the record straight on KOHI with Melinda Bernard. Call the show now at 503-397-1600. And we're wrapping up our conversation about the right to repair uh, with Sam Pastrick and Charlie Fisher. Again, thank you again for joining us this morning. Last night, you hosted a town hall, and I believe there were some legislators involved. Um, what was the takeaway from from the town hall? Where did you find that people were supportive? Did you find that there were um, questions that that um, a common question about the bill? Um, yeah, I thought it went really well. We had over a hundred people get on. Um, it's great to have Representative Solomon there talk about you know her motivation behind the bill. I, to me, I really, we, one of the things we did was we asked people to share their repair experiences again. And I think we got some really good ones. Um, somebody talked about how their local repair shop um, can only repair 40% of the things that they that people bring in because they don't have the parts or the, the, the repair manuals. Um, another person talked about how they had a laptop that they brought in for repair to the Apple's store and then they just told her it was unrepairable and there's nothing she could do even though she only had it for two years um and so again these are just people have these experiences there weren't a lot of questions i think because people really get it um and so yeah it was a great great event we were we were excited to to have all the support great thank you sam how can the you know how can my listeners if if this is something that they are passionate about how can they help you and Charlie and and the uh, well and the legislators involved how can they give their support to this movement sure that's a that's a great question um, I think a really quick and easy answer to that is to the extent you're listening and you're interested in this topic uh, you should contact your legislator um, you know granted the legislative session is is getting off to a strange start uh, it being largely remote uh, in light of the pandemic, but uh, legislators uh, oftentimes want to hear from their constituents. And uh, you can look up your, your legislator, both your, your house representative and your, your state senator um, by going to the, the Oregon legislature's website. There's kind of a, a nifty lookup tool that makes it pretty easy for folks. And then you can call them or you can shoot them an email and it can be as simple as, hey, I heard about uh, a right to repair bill, House Bill 2698. Uh, this would you know, affect me in this and this way. Um, and, and I'm supportive and you should, should be aware of the fact that I'm supportive. So I think anytime you know, you're interested in a public policy issue, you should always feel 
inclined as just a, a resident of Oregon to get in touch with your, your state legislator. Um, as far as supporting uh, Cub, I'll speak for Cub and let Charlie speak for, for Osberg. Um, it's important to let us know that too. Um, you know, you can head to, to our website, OregonCub.org. Uh, my contact information is, is right on the website. You can let me know that you're interested in this issue and that sort of, at least as a, as a nonprofit advocate, that informs our ability to communicate to legislators on behalf of uh, the folks that we're representing, which are, are all Oregon utility customers, residential utility customers. So uh, I think at a high level, those are some of the ways that you can be supportive of this issue. Great, thank you. Charlie? Yeah, sure, yeah. Also, I'll uh, echo much of what Sam said. Um, on our website, osperg.org, that's O-S-P-I-R-G.org. Um, right in the front, actually, is an easy tool for you to type in your info and send an email to your state representative and your state senator. We also have kind of an activist toolkit that um, uh, includes you know how to write a letter to the editor um, what's a good message to to call your legislator um, and so feel free to again reach out to me and we'd be very interested in connecting you with that um, because again I think at the end of the day we know that we know who's going to be opposed and we know that they have a lot of power and money but we also know that the public is in support of this issue and it will help a lot of people so I think it's incumbent upon everyone who supports this issue to, to really make their voice heard and tell the legislator that, that they want them to do the right thing. Well, thank you. So do you think your job's going to be easier or more difficult with the Capitol closed as it is and everything being virtual? Uh, Sam, uh, speaking for me, uh, I think, well, using this issue as an example, um, you know, we're, we're, a, we're a small nonprofit, we're membership-based, um, I think to some extent, at least, you know, my job representing Cub in the legislative session is made a, a bit more difficult uh, in the remote setting because, again, you're on issues like right to repair. You're you're going up against uh, powerful entities with lots of money behind them, with teams of lawyers, with teams of lobbyists, and uh, that makes our job potentially more difficult. But you know, at the same time, at least when it comes to developing public policy and advocating for public policy, when the, the facts are on your side, when uh, the, the general public is on your side, I think that that's certainly helpful. But, you know, we, we do what we can and we're working really hard to, to, to make it through this session. Charlie, what about you? Do you prefer the Zoom? I mean, let, let's talk about the town hall. Do you think in, in the past you would have 100 people turn out for a town hall? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's one, that is true, that um, I think from a pers the perspective of public engagement, um, we would have had a town hall, yeah, and probably in Portland, or maybe we'd have multiple ones, but we'd only be able to draw from a geographic area, and we're able to get people from across the state to um, come, because it was virtual. Same with the legislat legislature, I mean, I think getting people to drive to Salem, especially from rural areas, can be tough, and so having virtual um Testimony could be helpful. I'll say <laughs> to the extent that there are technical difficulties, uh, maybe that helps us given this issue is about making uh, tech, tech work better. <laughs> That's just a joke. But um, I mean, who, who knows is really what I would say. I think this is so unprecedented that um, we'll have to see. And I think that what, what, that what we do have going for us is that this really does have the opportunity. This issue has the, the 
potential to really help people now. And it touches at some of the, the issues like, you know, the digital divide that are only exacerbated by remote learning and remote school and remote work. And I think that the, that fact that we can really directly connect this to, you know, what people are experiencing right now can only help. This bill would also apply to say school districts who bought a ton of like iPads or something. And then maybe they, you know, students or sometimes, especially younger ones can be hard on electronics. Things happen, things get dropped. Um, so this isn't just for the consumer, it's for everyone in Oregon, correct? It's a great example. And actually, so there's a, a nonprofit called Garten in Salem that we've worked with. They take- Garten? Garten. G-A-R-T-E-N. G-A-R-T-E-N. I'm not sure what it stands for, but they, they, they take in electronics. In fact, I think they take in a lot of the state's old computers. Um, and at the same time, they, they teach, they bring, they employ uh, people with disabilities and show them how to, to, to fix things and do, you know, electronic repair. And, you know, they, they are supportive of right to repair because um, all those reasons. And in fact, they have said that, you know, if they could, um, extend the life of state computers that could actually potentially save some some taxpayer dollars so yeah it really has a, a really wide-ranging uh set of uh, implications so if you could wave your magic wand and you could have anything out of right to repair if you could have expanded it would you have expanded it you've talked about farm equipment which i guess new farm equipment like combines or tractors probably have a chip right and hvac medical equipment and maybe would that would is that something that you would have gone for if you thought it was possible to pass, or would you have added more? What what would be like your your dream bill? Um, I mean, from my perspective, dream bill would be everything. Um, and I think, well, I'll say Senator Ron Wyden actually introduced a medical right to repair bill in Congress this year or last year. Um, a lot of other states are doing farm only um, bills. Uh, some of the you know states that you might expect, like Nebraska. Uh, and so, I mean, really at the end of the day, this is a problem that affects a, a huge, a really broad array of, of devices and, and products. But I, I think given the, the current circumstances around COVID, I think we're happy with where the current bill is. Great, Sam? Yeah, I, I, well, I concur with Charlie's last point. Um, you know, I think this bill, the way that we've we've crafted it, the, the scope of the legislation, I said this earlier, I think it, it meets the moment appropriately. Um, it really is, is acknowledging uh, the experience that we've all been through as Oregonians uh, the past uh, year now uh, in light of the pandemic. And uh, I just, we view this as necessary and sort of no brainer legislation that will, that will benefit uh, everyday folks and uh, hopefully help our small businesses uh, come out of, of the economic crisis that we're also in. So it, it meets the moment, I guess, is where I'd leave off. Thank you both so much. Thank you so much for taking the time. Well, that's it for us. We will be ne back next Friday with more Setting the Record Straight. Have a great day, everyone. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Why don't you just meet me in the middle? I'm losing my mind just a little. You've been listening to Setting the Record Straight with Melinda Bernard on KOHI. Listen again next Friday here on AM 1600. You can email the show kohi.radio at gmail.com or email Melinda, strsradio at gmail.com. <laughs>